Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford, joined by our draft specialist, Jacob Barker. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I am doing just great. How how are you, Justin? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. You know, what a, what a great week for, for hockey and, you know, lots, lots of stuff going on. So, you know, it's which is nice because usually, you know, when we do these episodes, I have to you know, plan something out and think of what we're going to talk about. But there was no shortage of stuff to talk about for today's episode. Um, so we might as well jump right into it because we're trying to bang this episode out real quick because we're both starving. Um, so, you know, got to get some food. Uh, but even be- so we had the draft, obviously, uh, this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Uh, but before that, lots of trades going on from around the league. Um, some interesting moves by a lot of teams. In your opinion, what is your uh, favorite move a team made and what's the worst move you think a team made? Uh, this is a weird one because like, I feel like my answer might be the same for both. It might not be... Um, oh, like the flip side of it? Yeah, like it might be the flip side with it. Yeah, you can go for uh, that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'll see if I can... I want to pull up the full details for it just so I... Um, don't get anything wrong, you know. I don't want to be incorrect on the show. No, no. I'm sure be, all yeah. of my friends from Twitter will be watching or will be listening in on this. Yeah, uh, no, me, no, yeah. We gotta, we gotta, you know, it's gotta be I a factual show. It wasn't my least favorite one, I'll say this, but I just wanted to like address it. I think that the OEL trade was like a lot to process. I'm not sure if I like hate it from either. Like, I think there's like pros and cons to each side. I think that the Canucks came out pretty well in that deal. Like I like Connor Garland going back over there. And I think OEL, uh, if he bounces back, cause I know he really wanted out of Arizona was a big thing. So like if he bounces back, that's great. They also did dump the contract of Louis Erickson, which is ideal. Uh, cause that is tough to move. Uh, and then the, the getting rid of guys like Jay Beagle and Antoine himself as well. They're just like taking up a little bit of cap, I think helps uh, in that case as well. I want to make sure you get that. Um, what did you think of that trade? Because that was probably one of the more like loaded trades on the yeah. On the that, that one that one was a lot of moving pieces. Um, to me, it looks like Vancouver makes that move because they're in win now mode, and they're trying to basically buy one year of flexibility because you know the contracts they sent to Arizona those are those are expiring for taking on you know the kind of anchor of a contract that's OEL. That's that's no secret. He makes a lot of money for a, a, a long amount of time. Um, so like, I, I don't think it's a bad move for Vancouver if you think they're, you know, a contending team, which, which I don't see. And I really love the act, you know, the addition of Connor Garland. I think he's a really, really good player. I would have loved for, for the Panthers to get him. Uh, so I see that. And then for Arizona, Arizona, very clearly based on all the moves they've been making, 
uh, is basically they're going full rebuild, trying to get as much, you know, assets as they can, as many draft picks. You know, they obviously, you know, they didn't have their first this year. They go out and they get a first this year, um, which is nice for them, you know, especially as you're trying to transition and build back up again. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I like it for Arizona. I think maybe slightly more just because I think they're doing a better job of judging uh, the kind of direction and current state of their team. Whereas I think Vancouver might be deluding themselves into thinking they're, they're better than they are. And I look at that roster and, you know, I do not like their defense. Obviously Quinn Hughes is great, but some, some Mm -hmm. not, not, not some players. I'm not a huge fan. The one trade that I think I, it's like, I like it. This one kind of covers both my bases here because it's like my favorite trade for one team, my least favorite for the other. Um, from a Detroit perspective, getting Alex Nedeljkovic for that price, I think is fantastic. Uh, so Nedeljkovic in exchange for Jonathan Bernier, a third round pick. Uh, who did that third rounder end up being? That was. Uh, we'll never know. No, it was it was in this draft, and that was coming from yeah. Carolina. So it would have been the later one. Oh, it looks like it was probably flipped. Uh, but yeah. yeah, not the third round wasn't anything to brag about. So that's probably. Um, like when I look at that price, it's an expiring UFA contract and Jonathan Burns. Like from the Hurricanes perspective, I don't really. I don't get it from the Hurricanes perspective. Like all three of your goalies now are UFAs. Um, I assume that they're confident that they're going to sign at least like one of them, probably Mrazek, and like go go from there. And like the rights to Jonathan Bernay gives you the sense that he's going to sign in Carolina as well. It would be weird if they traded for his rights and then he didn't sign. Uh, so that's the thing. But I just don't know why. Nedeljkovic got dealt for that. I, that like the Red Wings just came out of that with a starting goalie that's young and it's great. And yeah. I'm not entirely sure what the thought process was from Carolina there, but they, they were puzzling this week. I feel like the trades they made were weird, but then obviously they draft like crazy. So they drafted a fantastic, like uh, they had a, an excellent draft class, but I felt like their trades were just kind of all over the place. Like the Jake Bean one was a little confusing to me as well. Yeah, like to me, the, the the Nedeljkovic one, I think they said basically they didn't want to commit long-term on a really, really small sample size. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, like they, they invested a, like a decently high pick in Nedeljkovic. I think he was a second rounder. They spent all this time developing him. He finally rewards you this season. Uh, and it's not like he was asking for the moon. Like it's not a lot of money that Detroit had to pay him. And so I really don't see – what why this is like a move you make if you're Carolina so that one was just really bizarre uh for for them in my mind and just a great ad I think for Detroit uh who also then went and selected a goalie in the first round in Sebastian Cosa uh but wor- worst move for you what do you think other like the Carolina one's bad but there are I think a couple worse ones perhaps uh the, I mean the price for Rasmus Ristolainen has got to be talked about probably I mean like Look, I understand Rasmus Ristolainen is very, very big. That's great. Like I saw, I saw someone tweeting out, and they're like, "I like if you know if, if Rasmus Ristolainen's available." This was this was actually an Oilers report. He's like, "I would take him on my team any day." Like if I'm the Oilers, I'm absolutely calling because he's a big right shot defenseman who plays with an edge. And it's like, okay, first of all, quite literally, you have described me as a player, and <laughs> I suck, and so and so does Ristolainen, like. Like, yeah, no that's one's... all it takes to make the NHL. Like, I don't know why I wasn't drafted instead of Tyler Boucher with the sense. Yeah, like... it, it doesn't make sense. So, and the price was astronomical. Like, what they grabbed 14th 
Wasn't it 14th overall? And then, uh, then yes. the Sabres used that. Uh, I just want to make sure I get this Isaac right. Rosen. Yeah, Isaac Rosen. That's a great player. Yeah. Like, that's a high-end upside player that the Sabres are adding in exchange for Rasmus Ristolainen, who I'm pretty sure has won the green jacket at least once, if yeah. not more. Yeah, and if and he and hasn't, it's still not a good thing. His plus minus has been absolutely brutal. And um, I, did, I was talking to one of my buddies where it was like, he was trying to justify. It's like, oh, that's a that's like pretty good. Like Ristolainen can do better with that. And like they're like, oh, like man, have you seen his metrics? Like his metrics are brutal. And they're like, yeah, like it's it's because he was playing for Buffalo. And I'm like, but have you considered the fact that like maybe Buffalo was like that bad because Rasmus Ristolainen was playing that many minutes? Like. It's a twofold right there. Here's the thing for me is whenever there's like a move like that and a player like that, a lot of people go into like, you know, it's the eye test versus analytics, right? Mm-hmm. Is usually like the go-to argument. He, the eye test, he doesn't look good either. Yeah. Like like in neither scenario does he come out as like a, a really good player. I So I think that's just a brutal move for Philadelphia. Um, but for me, my worst and best move is going to be the Seth Jones trade. Good. Right, that's ah, a good choice. Yeah, good choice. Because like, here, here's the thing. So Chicago, you go and you get Seth Jones, right? Seth Jones coming off a bad year, like a really, really bad year. How much of that is him? How much is that a if Columbus? Bit of both, probably, right? And he has been pretty decent in the past. And do I think he'll get he'll play better in Chicago? You know, he's there with his brother now. Uh, yeah, probably a little bit, but nine point five million dollars for this guy is absurd absolutely I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure seth jones agent just made dougie hamilton a very rich man if that's how that was that, that was a tweet i sent out this weekend you sent that yeah hold on let me check oh my goodness jacob are you not following me on twitter <laughs> it, it's gonna be justin bedford oh man great great minds think alike because yeah. i was just i was thinking about that because i'm like seth <laughs> If Seth Jones is worth nine and a half on not the, I don't want to say the open market because like it was, it was Chicago's, but like if he, if, sorry, I guess it's that's even worse. Relevant. Yeah, it's less relevant then because that, that's not the open market. That's just like one team. Yeah, what's Dougie Hamilton going to get on the open market? And I get the flat cap and everything like that, but like I, I don't know the whole like I, I, it's not fair to like fully compare it to Kale McCarr because Kale McCarr is coming off of his RFA and like technically speaking, this is Jones is like prime time like prime and, and kill mccarr is also very good yeah like, but like at the same time like kill mccarr i get it he's off of his elc he's doing these things but like not like, he's making less than seth jones and he like i know it's marginal but still less money for kill the, the gap jones. on the contracts is marginal and and kill mccarr again he only signed for six years right so ufa once it's up but I, the Seth Jones deal to me is just puzzling. Even if he bounces back a bit, I don't think he's going to – like, he has to become – he has to be one of the, like, top five best defensemen in the world for that contract to be justified. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see a world where that happens, especially a world where Aaron Eckblad's fully healthy. Oh, yeah. And on um, the flip side for that, too, like, look at the weekend that Columbus had. Yeah. Like, my like, goodness. Because like, that were, pick was the Cole Sillinger pick, correct? Yeah, so people were calling that the greatest day in Columbus Blue Jackets history in terms of moves made, and I'd find it really hard to disagree with that because oh, I think that's fully. You, you, first of all, Seth Jones this, didn't want, Seth. You didn't have any leverage. Seth Jones didn't want to be there, mm-hmm. right? So, and even if he did, you don't want that contract. Now, 
you get Adam Boakvist, who's a much younger defenseman, and a guy I really like. I think he's going to be a really good defenseman in this league. Uh, and then, yeah, and then you turn that first-round pick into Cole Sillinger, who is one of my, you know, favorite players from this draft. Uh, and I think brings that, you know, along with Kent Johnson, their fifth overall pick, brings that element of high-end skill and talent that I think Columbus desperately lacks. So for that team, I think they had, you know, a heck of a weekend uh, and got a lot better. And even, the, uh, you know, I like some of their later picks too. Uh, so, you know, hats off to, to Yarmo Kekalainen and that team. Uh, but yeah, I think we should, we should probably get in and talk about the draft. And I think right out of the gate, we got to talk about the 31st overall selection because, you know, usually I'd, I'd ask you what, you know, was the worst pick a team made? I don't think I really need to ask the question because I think it's pretty fucking obvious that it's the Montreal Canadiens at 31st overall taking Logan Mayu. Now you, you've, you know, you, you knew, you know, about this, you didn't have Logan Mayu on your, your draft list for, the reasons uh what are your thoughts like what are the Habs doing here uh see this is something that we had discussed at Dauber because we didn't know it was confirmed it heard like rumblings of something happened in Sweden with Mayu and we weren't really sure what it was so obviously it would be irresponsible reporting to just try to go and leak it and potentially ruin his life uh, if it was untrue so we weren't really sure what was going on when the story broke, it kind of just confirmed it for a lot of people. For me, there's, there's a lot of different things that go into making this a bad pick. And a lot of it, like, is like the main nucleus of it is obviously the fact that I don't know what went through Bergevin's head to think that this was a correct PR move, not even from a skill move, from a PR stance. This makes zero sense. But then like, like, I, I don't like, I don't know like, how, like, if you're, if you're, you know, Jeff Molson, the owner of the Habs, I don't know how you sign off on that. Like I get, you know, you know, a lot of hockey people, they just think in terms of, you know, getting the best hockey players you can, but from a, you know, when you're looking at the, the team as a whole, as an organization, I don't know how you make that pick. Mm-hmm. And like, before I even go into like the whole, like, like organization, like PR thing, I don't think it should be undersold the fact that Logan Mayu in the opinion of many, even before this all came out, is not a first-round talent. So beside, like, PR aside, like, they went out of their way to bump... And I know, like, you could say the same thing about Tyler Boucher going at 10. Like, whatever. Like, obviously, there's going to be reaches on, on draft day. Like, Nolan Allen went right after. But, like, Logan Mayu is not a first-round talent in this. No. Like, a consensus not. So they went out of their way to make this draft pick knowing every single bit of PR would go out the window because this is brutal. Not only from the from Montreal stance, from the NHL for the sport of hockey, this is garbage. The fact that this guy got drafted. I saw a thing where it's like, this guy literally paid no consequence for his actions. There was zero consequence. He had to face the media. Like, Okay, that that's it. He he read. Well, and it seems like yeah, and it seems like him and the you know, the Habs don't really seem to care at all with the you know the media and what people are saying. He read the most scripted PR statement I've ever seen on the Habs live Twitter. Which I didn't even watch it. Oh, it's brutal. I, was not I, even... I, I honestly, I don't care how like he emphasized certain points. It was like he was looking down at his paper. Like if you want to try to sell me that the fact that you've like 
you're trying to grow you're growing like you're trying to make the right moves i get it's nerve-wracking i get it. you don't want to like well there's also the, the fact thing. he didn't want to be drafted he said no. don't draft me and like as much as that was like probably something he had to do right and i know you can't take yourself out of the draft but like he, he did it he went through that he put out the statement of don't draft me right which yes i'm sure if they're you know if this story doesn't come out publicly he's never going to say that but mm-hmm. it did and he did it so at least it's like something and then the habs are like no my my biggest issue with this and this is my thing is that this is so bad for the sp- for the sport of hockey for the main reason being as much as like most of this comes down on Mark Bergevin Mark Bergevin is not the only person that signs off on this pick it has to go through so many different layers of approval before it goes through, like for any pick, like, and it's probably, like, and, and the thing is, it's not the only team that would have taken Logan. I, exactly. So you right? look at, it's, it's a lot. Of, it's an issue with more than just the Habs. Yeah. This is a hockey problem where people make mistakes. And, and sorry, I'm not even going to call it a mistake. People commit crimes in this case. Like they are charged with something that goes, that is just so indecent. And so just like wrong that just mess with people or just ruin people's lives. And then they aren't even doing anything genuine. Like Mayu in that article has has not given a genuine apology to uh, the to the victim to this point. And like like with with the exception of like his PR stances, where it, where it's like his forced things, which like do whatever. Like uh, those are all going to be mandatory anyways. But so it's basically he hasn't done anything outside of trying to save his career to show this. So like the fact that people are just so in the hockey industry, high level executives are just so willing to overlook these things is like a fundamental issue in the sport of hockey that honestly makes me question like why I follow this and like work in the sport so much. Cause it's like, if this guy's just like not going to, like he literally, he faced no consequence. Like he, like he, if anything, his draft stock rose when this happened, he probably doesn't get drafted at 31st. Like if it's just a normal thing, normal thing, he's, he's projected to be like a second, third rounder, most likely it's whatever, but like clearly Bergman and the Habs had some ulterior motive to this. Cause they had a statement prepared for when they, when they, if, for, if you have to prepare a statement for when you draft a player, you probably just shouldn't draft a player is my thought, but yeah, it's, it's an embarrassment to the league. It's embarrassment to the sport of hockey. And it's making a lot of people question why bother working in this industry with this group of uh, yeah I've, I've seen a lot of that because you know we have a lot of friends who you know aspire to, to work in the sport of hockey in whatever capacity and they're all like especially you know you know w- women that i know that are you know incredible people and, and incredibly smart uh who have worked really really hard their whole lives and you know that's what they want to do and you know have something this happen like that's just it's brutal like why would you ever want to work for an organization like that and then you know very clearly the Habs are like that, but there's a lot of teams that didn't draft Mayu that might've. And how do you know, you know, what those organizations culture and philosophy is. And I don't want this to seem either like I'm saying like this guy doesn't deserve a second chance because I think for most things people do, you know, should get second chances, but they absolutely have to be earned. Right. And that just hasn't been the case here. Right. And to earn, you know, it back, it's, you know, sincere apology it's putting in the work behind the scenes, owning your mistakes. And that just hasn't happened here. And, you know, it, it might've, if you'd given him the year, like he asked, it might not have, but to me, this is just like, 
complete uh, it's just it's it's bullshit like it's actually it's yeah. terrible no, right? like, and it, the good news is uh, like the good news at least is that based on you know information that comes out it sounds like the panthers weren't one of the teams that were going to draft Mayu. i think bill zito said you know when they asked about surprise at the draft he said there was a pretty big one right at the end there of the first round um have to assume that's probably logan Mayu. And oh, yeah, you know, you not so. not not Allen or whatever. I mean, but no, I, I, Chicago got away with it there because they uh, they, 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 went, they went they went they went they went a huge reach and PR smokescreen by bringing out you know all their you know prominent female staff members you know in the midst of you know their lawsuits right now. So it was just like a terrible five minutes for the league, if you ask me. But, oh my gosh! Yeah, that was like welcome. If they could do like a five-minute intro on like what the NHL is all about, let's get yeah right at the beginning of the Bergeron pick. Do like the con yeah the, like the reporters, and then do that whole like Chicago PR stunt. And then yeah, and it's on, like and yeah, then they're like, reaching on an oversized defenseman, and then that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's sickly, <laughs> like unreal. Um, but yeah, it didn't sound like the Panthers were at all interested in drafting Mayu. And I think Bill Zito also talked about, you know, how important, uh, getting good people into their organization was. And from, you know, from the prospects that they picked too, they were talking about how thorough Florida's draft process was, how well they got to know these players, not just as players, but as people, um, which I think is, you know, how, it, how it should be done. Um, so I think we should get right and talk to, you know, about Florida's, Draft class this year. Now, first round, Mackie Samuskevich. About an hour into the draft coverage, so probably around pick four, uh, I said I sent you a text because we were talking about the draft. We weren't watching it together, and I said I'm pulling it up now. I said whoever drafts Mackie Samuskevich wins the draft. I don't make the rules, and then wouldn't you know it. Pick 24, Bill Zito does the right thing and takes Mackie Samuskevich. What can you tell our listeners about this player? Oh, what can't I tell our listeners about First this of all, player? right? He sounds, he sounds like a great kid. Oh, a, a fantastic person. From everything that I've seen, I do a lot, especially like leading up to the draft. I do a lot of like the character uh, development. I look for or character references. I look at uh, what they have uh, in terms of like, just interviews that are public, everything like that, that, uh, that I can just kind of gain a little insight into like who these players actually are. Um, Matt Kassamus gave it just fantastic. I believe, was it Scott Wheeler or was it who, who did the piece on him? Uh, the I, I, I can't remember who did the piece on it's him. It's either him or about... Cronman. I can't remember. It was one of the draft guys. I yeah. think it was Wheeler. I'm yeah. Lean with about me. being from uh, Sandy Hook and yeah. the shooting that happened there. Fantastic article. And like anyone who's, uh, listening, I highly recommend if you want to learn a little bit more about Sam Skavich and his background and everything uh, with his family, highly recommend reading that article. It is a little bit emotional, but it's also a good, it's a good, it's like a good yeah, how he grew up. It also gives a lot about his like current character, too. Like, it's not just a like a, an emotional story. Like, it you, you, you learn a lot, stuff. not just about him, but about the family, mm-hmm. which is you know, equally as important. Mm-hmm. The good thing, what I can say about his on ice talent, like, if now, for anyone who reads the Dauber Top 100s, I was actually fortunate <laughs> enough to do the Mackie Samuskevich write-up for him. And I won't read it out for you because that's just bad podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to it. I would end the show right there. Yeah, I'm not reading the statement. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, no, the one line that I use always 
Justin can attest to this. Absolutely <laughs> electric. This you are getting one of the most skilled players in this draft. Like when it comes, his combination of it's not like crazy top speed, but it's like the agility, his little movements. Um, when he's skating, he's he's really slick. And when you compare that, or when you pair that with uh, his stick handling ability and his and his uh, like his quick release, he is fantastic. He's absolutely dangerous in uh, the offensive third. There's obviously flaws that come with his game. Um, no, I just I yeah, no, never mind. No, <laughs> yeah, there there are times when I'd like him to get a little bit more involved defensively. Um, he can shy away with some board uh, from some board play, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because when he's shying away, he's still getting himself in a position to retrieve the puck like when it comes loose from the board. So he's not like he's not like getting physically involved necessarily, but like when that puck comes out, he's a, he's in a good spot. He anticipated he anticipates play well, um, and yeah, his his shot is dangerous too. Uh, he can get he can release that from a variety of different spots. So I think. Like the Panthers, I had Sam Skavich outside my first round, but that was after I had done a lot more, uh, or uh, I, it was after I had done a lot more uh, intel into just where uh, he's progressed. Because uh, I uh, got a lot of my viewings in on him early on in the season when the USHL was like one of the only leagues going. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I I think you landed an absolute home run here in Florida with Sam Skavich. It's my fit. It is my favorite pick of the draft. Um, I think wow. so. Some people say it's like you could argue it's a little early, but not really. Like he, it, you're, from, you're, like with the Panthers system that they play with, like the style of player they're looking for, it's right up his alley. Yeah, like the thing for me, and like I feel like pretty lucky because Matthew Samuskevich is the player I watched the most this year, just by coincidence. And like I guess, yeah, sure, that entire Chicago Steel team, but like my eyes were always on Samuskevich, uh, and like. I get like the, the point totals won't jump off the board at you, right? The same way it would for a guy like, you know, Matt Coronado. But you, you watch like, let's say, like you, you went on YouTube and you pulled up a highlight pack of Matthew Samoskevich. It's disgusting. Like you will absolutely take guys on one on one all day, right? That's fantastic. It shows you he's got the high end skill, right? But then if you watch him shift by shift, you get kind of a, a much clearer, you know, understanding of the player that he is. And one of the things like he does really well is he fights through contact. Like I get, you know, he might not be the best at winning, you know, loose puck board battles, but when he has the puck and guys are trying to knock them off the puck, like they, they have a hard time with it. Uh, a lot of players, players a lot bigger than him. So I'm like, I'm a huge fan of this pick. I think they got a great person, a great player with a lot of skill. And I think this is a, an absolute home run for the Panthers and just, you know, adds to the the group they already have. I know you, you might've liked the Panthers to take a defenseman, but I think it's hard to argue with taking a guy like Sam Oskowicz there, you know, when, yeah, there's obviously a lot of defensemen still on the board, but I don't think anyone is at the same level as Sam Oskowicz. So in terms of getting value from that pick, I, I absolutely love this for the Panthers. And then, like, I know you talked about there briefly, just kind of branching to their next pick here, uh, like getting that defenseman. I think Evan Dows checks pretty much every box in terms of like value at that pick. So you're picking up 56, um, a lot of obviously the high end defensemen are gone, uh, but I think Evan Naus is perfect for what Florida has. So he, like I, I know Tony described, uh, Tony Ferrari described him a while ago. It's just a defenseman you just don't really worry about. Like he's very, very reliable. He makes his decisions quickly and correctly for the most part. Um, his puck retrieval is really good. He's able to actually control it off the boards and get that puck off quick. Um, he's not 
crazy quick, like top speed again. It's similar to Sam Skate. Just top speed isn't incredible, but he's mobile and he's um, like he, he's slick with his skating ability with that. Um, I don't mind his like fantasy upside, or I say fantasy upside. Like I don't mind his like point scoring upside. It's definitely like there, uh, but he's mostly just your smart two way defenseman that can move the just puck like modern day to, defenseman. Yeah. Kind of very much pretty modern. pretty good at everything, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to go end to end on anybody, I don't think. But no. you know, he'll make smart passes. He'll make them quick. He'll jump up into the play. You know, if if he sees an opening, um, and I think he just really fits in well with you know the style that the Panthers play and the way they want to play as a team. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of that pick. Uh, in terms of some of their later picks here, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of really any of these guys um is there anyone there that stands out to you i not no one in like particular with these guys if i'm being honest i've watched Braden hashay play a little bit um because i had watched him like last year uh when he played in kingston but he only played like a handful of games for them it didn't really stand out uh but that being said he's like a big big defenseman uh, and standing so out is not always a good thing as a defenseman. Yeah, like if he's standing out, that probably means it's either good or bad. It's yeah, like... uh, but I mean, it, those are the kind of swings. Like I talked about it with a couple other teams here, but those are the kind of swings I like. Like in the later rounds, um, they're a seventh round guy. Take a take a bigger guy with some skating ability that can just move, and that's pretty much it. Also, fun little coincidence for you. I remember looking this one up before the podcast. He is the son of the OHL director of officiating and formal, former NHL referee, Conrad Hashley. Wow. He's got some official connections, you know. And I mean, <laughs> officiating is a hot topic nowadays. So, uh, but yeah, Braden Hashley is a decent swing. Um, he's not going to wow you ever, like at any point. But he'll, uh, like, no again, not a bad thing. Not always. Yeah, not a bad thing at all. Uh, Kirill Garasamiak is an E. Or, yeah, Garrison Yuck didn't want to mispronounce that. Uh, interesting one as well. Um, again, with it, uh, when you get to this part of the draft, the expectations are low, if I'm being honest with you. Like, uh, realistic, because, like, after after that first round, right, or the second round, right, and then it's just, you know, they don't draft till the fourth, right? And really, when you get into that range, it's, you know, you're, you're taking swings on guys that you've seen that you like, right, and mm-hmm. you get a good feel for but like there isn't really the same pressure there. Like if a guy doesn't hit in the fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, whatever, it's not a big deal for a team, right? So I've no, I it's, so it's hard to really be like, oh, like this, this guy sucks or anything like that because the reality is like you're you're a sixth round pick, you're a seventh round pick. There's a reason you didn't go, you know, mm-hmm. in the first round, and you know they think they're going to be players. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, but the like the expectations aren't high, so you hope you get an NHL player or two with those later picks. But if they I don't think, pan out, I don't think you're really beating yourself mm-hmm. up about it. I think Garasimia could be a sleeper one though. Like obviously losing Devin Levi. Uh, oh, we're gonna trade. get to that. We've got to talk about the yeah. We'll, oh, it's gonna, yeah. We'll, we'll end but, off on the trade. Yeah, losing the losing Devin Levi. Obviously, I love the guy. He's fantastic. But like kind of replacing, like replenishing that in the, the prospect pool. Garasimia's an interesting one. Like. He was ranked super high. Like we ranked him, I think, just at the beginning of the 80s with Dauber. And it seems like he seemed to be around that. So he fell a little bit in the draft. Um, he's interesting when he had great numbers in the MHL this year. So he had 931, which is fantastic. Uh, there he didn't really play in the U18s. 
that's so it's tough to really tell with the sample size there. But um, an interesting like goalie. decent decent sized goalie. He's quick, like he's quick. He's like he plays more like a Benny Goudreau style, like the Carey Price style, like where he's just like calm, which is a little bit weird for um, a Russian goalie. Just because, but, just because it, it's a different game over there. Like you get different mm-hmm. shots. So he, so like he, he is a lot more just composed and like quiet in his net. Um, so he just again doesn't stand out, but it's not necessarily a bad thing uh, with a goalie. So interesting one. We'll see how he progresses. He'd be a slow burn prospect. Like give him a couple. Like most goalies are. Yeah, give him a few years. Or give not him a every goalie spending night. Yeah, give him a couple of years to like see what he's see where he's starting to progress. Um, obviously, he's, he probably won't come. Over. I don't know what his contract is like in Russia. Uh, doesn't say, but. I assume he's going to stay in Russia probably for at least two or three more years. If and then we'll we'll progress from there. Like he only played in the he played a couple in the VHL this past year, but you'd want and, him to get at least a year or two in the K probably before coming over. Yeah, and it's also worth noting too. He's one of the younger players in this draft too. He's a late August birthday. Yeah. Uh, so so again, you know, take your time with a, with a player like that. You know, late round pick goalie usually they take some time. Um, but definitely, I think, you know, of the later on picks, I think that's probably like one of the ones to watch for sure mm-hmm. from, from afar uh, and, and see how it goes there. But you mentioned Devin Levi, the Sam Reinhart trade, Panthers sending next year's first and, you know, the legendary Devin Levi, former seventh round pick over to the Buffalo Sabres for Sam Reinhart, thus making it three former top four picks from that 2014 draft on the Panthers roster. What do you think of the move? Uh, I'll let you talk about Levi and like the, and the purpose of drafting. Well, cause I, I know you mentioned it on Twitter and I'll, I'll let you go on. Yeah. That. I, I, I like but, never tweet, but I probably sent out like 30 tweets this weekend. Yeah, no, that was a good one. I, I was really, you were gone this weekend. I was like, hello. I was super yeah. bored. No, I, I, I like that one. Then, so I'll let you talk about that, but I really like Sam Reinhardt. The one thing that I really value with him is his consistent production, even though he plays on a really bad, or he played on a really bad Sabres team. Like he's always putting up solid point numbers. And, and he plays well. all over the place. Like he's very mm-hmm. versatile. Like he played center this year. He's been on the right wing with Eichel. Oh, he's a great fantasy player. He can play all three positions, you know, like he works, <laughs> works out well in the Yahoo leagues, you know, but um, no, I, I think Reinhardt fits the Panther style. Again, as a speedy player who can go both ways reliable and like there's a ton of offensive upside there i'd be curious to see what they do um like do you think like in your opinion do you think they go and try to play him with huberto and then let let barkov take the rest or what what do you think they're going to do or you can play him on barkov's way and let huberto stay because huberto played with um what's his um pennekin bennett that's right sorry i'm it was huberto bennett and duclair for a while duclair's also been on the top line uh-huh. Um, so you let Barkov maybe go with um, Reinhardt, like keep the keep the connections going for a bit, or what do you think? Go go like Barkov, Verhage, Reinhardt, which which oh, I was sorry. yeah, Barkov, Verhage, Reinhardt, and then Huberto, Bennett, Duclair, yeah. top six. Yeah, which I like because I think you get a little bit of like Reinhardt's got a little bit of sandpaper to his game too, mm-hmm. so you get a bit of that on both lines. Um, Barkov's really good, obviously. Uh, Verhage, you know, had a terrific year. But, you know, you maybe want a guy to go to the net, and I think that'll be Sam Reinhardt. I imagine he scores, like, a bunch of tap-ins next year from within five feet of the crease. Um, so I love the pick, and I love, the you know, the acquisition. He can play uh, 
literally anywhere. So a lot of options for, for Joel Quenville and his staff. Uh, and then talking about Levi, like, first of all, the price for this trade, again, you're giving up a first round pick, but you're not giving it up for a rental. So that's a, that's a win. But then also you can't go out and add, you know, a big name rental at the deadline without that pick. It's a bit trickier. Um, but then the cost of acquisition, you look at what Philadelphia did to get Rasmus with Stalinen, and I can't stress this enough. Sam Bennett or Sam Reinhart is so much better at the game of hockey than Rasmus with Stalinen. It's like they're almost not even in the same league in terms of ability and what they bring to the table. So to get Reinhart for less than what Philly gave up to get Rasmus or Stalinen, just because Sam Reinhart may not be 6'5", fantastic for the Panthers. And then, I, you know, when they tweeted out the trade details, saw a lot of very passionate Sabres fans on Twitter talking about how much they didn't like the deal. They're like, oh, we're getting back a first-round pick and then some guy who was a seventh-round draft pick, making it evidently clear that they didn't watch the World Juniors last year because, yeah, on paper, yeah, Devin Levi is a seventh-round draft pick, but he's a heck of a prospect. He showed that at the World Juniors, turned a lot of heads. And as I mentioned in my tweets over the weekend, it's, it's all about the importance of drafting well and what that can do for your team. Even if you draft well and you're not going to use one of these players on your roster, like they draft Levin Levi, but they also have Spencer Knight. When you get good players with those, it's all about maximizing value and getting the best players you can with those picks because the Panthers got such a good player in Devin Levi with that seventh round pick, they're able to turn a seventh round pick, which is a nothing asset and use that as an important part of the deal to go out and get a huge part of your forward core going forward, who is probably likely to sign an extension in Florida too, sometime, you know, in the future here. Um, so I absolutely love this for the Panthers. And I think it's just a great example of, you know, what the drafting can do for your team. No, for sure. And like on the flip side, uh, um, this is my two minute quota to talk about the Ottawa Senators. Oh, no. Um, well, oh, no. I'm sure I was, I was, I was hoping saw. we'd be hungry enough and wouldn't have time, but that's no, that's a bit of too, but like this, do you, do you like this, do you like the Senators draft big fan? No. So I, I, no, I do, I do not like the Ottawa Senators draft. Um, actually it's sorry. It's like a typical Ottawa Senators draft. I like Zach stop draft for everyone who's watching. I like him and then the rest typical, but like mostly focusing on Tyler Boucher here where you have like on the flip side, a high level asset in a 10th overall draft pick. And they used to find a complimentary key, a complimentary piece to an unproven young core that lacks high end skill. So, on that side, if if Tyler Boucher, the theory of it is fine. It's like they're getting a player that is going to complement this core right now. But if for any reason he doesn't complement their core, they passed up. Like if for any reason the core doesn't turn out to be what it is. Anything like there's a, so many different ways that this can go wrong. And if it does, you have lost so much value in that pick. Tyler Boucher has That's such a, like, limited value compared to what they could like a Cole Cylinder has value through the roof. I know Matthew Samuskevich was a reach, but Matthew Samuskevich, like a 10 would have been a reach, but a 24 is fine. But that's value. Like you have like high end, high end value that you can use in a trade piece or something like that to get what you want. And yeah. like Tyler Boucher is not like, are we? If you were to tell me we were flipping 10th overall and something, like if that was in a package to get a high-end player, that's decent. But if you're telling me we're getting a package and Tyler Boucher, that's not decent. That's not getting us anywhere. Well, that, like that's the thing about it too, is that 
I get like you're an organization, you want to go out and you want to draft a guy that fits your system and what you're trying to build, right? And that is what Tyler Boucher is to your team. So that might be incredibly valuable for you, but it's not valuable to every other team in the league. And so if you want to move on from that asset and use it to acquire something else, you have less value. So mm-hmm. you're better off just going out and taking a guy, especially when you're Ottawa and your core, like it's fine, a lot of pieces, but not any that are super high end. And you maybe could have added a player who has the potential to be that. And I don't think anyone's, you know, thinking that Tyler Boucher is going to be a 50 goal scorer or anything, you know, overly fantastic. His comparables are somewhere between Tom Wilson and Josh Anderson, which like fine, I guess. And like, as much as I love sense Twitter, I'm on sense Twitter. Love you guys. It's amazing. Uh, I don't think any of them are listening, but after day one or uh, like day two, I guess, of us having Tyler Boucher as an Ottawa Senator, if we're on our US, uh, if we're watching the US Summer Showcase and the highlights that we had are five shots on goal, which is great in time for the uh, time for the lead in the game, but our highlight package of him was just him hitting people. Not cool. a great sign. There's a lot of other people that we can get to do that job in the NHL. Like you could have got way later. Yeah, like, I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but um, yeah, no, that's, so that's the flip side of Levi. That's like maximizing value compared to just going after a team asset that you pretty much can't move or you're, if you move it, you're guaranteed to lose value in that. Yeah, yeah, it's just not maximizing value. And to think he could have used that 10th overall pick to acquire Oliver Ekman Larson in that contract. Oh, you know, what could have been. What could have been for your senators? You can't teach six six. Um, but yeah, I think that's all all I got for the, this week's episode. I think we've covered it. I'm sure lots of stuff's gonna happen, you know, coming up, and we got free agency coming up, so we'll have to talk about that too. Um, but yeah, I'm starving, so we're gonna go eat. But uh, thank you to everyone tuning in, listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Um, appreciate all the support. Um, and we'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Uh, so have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you there. Cheers. Center, Barkov looking to get a step on Metz.